Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Last week we started a series on encountering God, and this week I want to talk about encountering God's love. There are many ways to encounter God. We can encounter God by His Spirit and through His Word, through other people. We can encounter his greatness and his majesty, his love, uh, and we can encounter his faithfulness. But this morning, as I said, I want to focus on his love. I grew up in a Christian home, and one of the first verses I ever memorized was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Old enough that I, or I'm old enough that I memorized it in the King James Version. Uh, I was taught that God loved me. I was, it was one of the first lessons that I learned in the Christian faith. Grew up singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But be, despite being taught it, I'm not sure I believed it. If you had asked me if I believed it, I would have said, sure, the Bible tells us that God loves us. Uh, after all, and I believe the Bible, so uh, God must love me. But I didn't really believe it, or it might be more accurate to say I believed it with my head and not my heart. You see, I grew up having a poor self-image. Uh, I was a gang- gangly te- teenager with no fashion sense. Still have no fashion sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, deep down inside, I knew that God made me the way I was, so how could he make me like this? Poor self-image and believing that God loves me is somewhat incompatible. I also grew up with a keen sense of spiritual sensitivity. I was a good guy, I didn't do drugs, I wasn't sleeping around, I tried to be kind, kind and good, but I knew that God didn't judge me in comparison to other people. Um, he judged me, and I knew my sin, and I knew that in some ways I was more responsible because I knew more. I knew the ways of God, and my sin rested heavily upon me, and I wondered how could God love me. Doubting God's love dogged me into ministry. I was 22 years old, I became the solo pastor of Bruce Mines Wesleyan Church. Look back and think, what was I thinking being a pastor at that age? But uh, I was anyways. First year was hard. People were looking to me for spiritual guidance, and I had all kinds of self-doubt. It was tough. Remember, it was my second year in Bruce Mines. I was sitting in my office, And I was studying the passage that we're going to look at today. In that office and in that passage, I encountered the love of God like I never had encountered before. And I not only knew in my head, but somehow it seeped down into my heart. I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me. It made all the difference in the world. On that day, there was a a quiet confidence placed in me 
A deep faith was birthed about who God was, and it allowed me to walk through some deep valleys, some deep waters. I know that I know that God loves me. It makes all the difference in the world. How about you? Do you, you know that God loves you? If you do, I want you to celebrate that today with me as we look at his word. If you don't, my, my prayer is that even in this time that we have together, that you will encounter the love of God. I pray that God will do a work spiritually so that that you will know, that you will know, that you will know that God really loves you. Hear the word of the Lord. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because... God is love. See, whenever you encounter God, you encounter his love. This is true whether he is convicting you of your sin or consoling you in your pain. This is true whether he's saying yes or no or wait to your prayers. This is true whether you meet him in green pastures and beside still waters or you're walking through the dark night of the soul, whenever you encounter God, you encounter his love. Because God is love. At the core of who God is, he's love. The foundation of everything he does is holy love. The essence of his being is love. And it is his predisposition towards people, towards you and me, Love is who he is. Here's the thing. For God not to love you would violate his character. For God to be indifferent to you would not only be out of character, it would be counter to who he is. God is love. When we look at you, when he looks at you, cannot help himself. He loves you. Because that's who he is. Some of you say, well, you don't know who I am. Or what I've done. Or how I've sinned. And you're right. I don't know the depth of your sin or the depth of your depravity. But I do know the greatness of God. And I know that his love is bigger than your sin. I know that his love is bigger than your problems. I know that his love is deeper than your pain. I know that his love is wider than your doubts. I know that his love is greater than anything that has happened to you or that has been done by you. God is love. Love comes from God. God loves you. Here's the thing. When you know the love of God, God's love rubs off. 
your friends. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, uh, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Whenever we know God, we get to know his love because any encounter with God is an encounter with his love. And when we get to know God, God's love rubs, rubs off on us and we love. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. John's just echoing the words of Jesus in John chapter 13, when he says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will everyone know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. We're told that God is love. We're told that love comes from God. We're told that we are to love one another. We're also told that if we don't love, we don't know God, because God is love. His spirit, the spirit of God, is the spirit of love, and his spirit has been put inside us. And he's restoring God's image in you. That's what the spirit does. You bear the image of God who is love. He's transforming you and making you into, uh, uh, to be Christ-like. Jesus embodied the love of the Father. And one of the ways that we demonstrate that we are a child of God and a follower of Jesus is that we love. That's a big part of discipleship, right? Learning to bear the image of God, learning to be Christ-like, being transformed, learning to love. John is speaking to the church, love your brothers and sisters. But Christ, as you may remember, made his commandment broader. Started in the Old Testament and Jesus reiterated it. Love your neighbors as yourself. We're not only to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're to love our neighbors as well. We're to love the people in our community, in the Perth community. We're to love our neighbors wherever we find ourselves living. But Jesus pushes the bounds of love even further, and he tells his followers, love your enemies. Do good to those who despitefully use you. There are a lot of things that go under the guise of being Christian these days. But whenever you hear people who call themselves Christian, but have an underlying tone of hate, you are hearing people who, John chapter 4, verse 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God. You're hearing people who don't know God, no matter what they're claiming. Whenever you hear supposed Christians, but they are spewing hatred, towards homosexuals, towards abortionists, or hatred of Muslims, or hatred of secular liberals, or hatred of evolutionists, or the list can go on and on and on. It's way too long. Whenever you hear hate coming out of the mouth of people who claim to follow God, remember this verse. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You'll hear people try to justify it. Well, didn't God in the Old Testament kill people because of they disobeyed? Didn't God show himself to be vengeful and full of wrath? 
First of all, people, you're not God. Just want to let you know that, okay? You're not God. Second thing is, the word of God says, yeah, you love. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Number two, make no mistake about it. God hates sin. But the reason why God hates sin so much is that he loves people. Sin brings death, and God is love, and he's the author of life, and he wants to experience life, not death, and so he hates sin. And if we really love people, or if we really love God, we will have an aversion to sin, as God does, but that aversion will be not because, aren't they awful? Aren't they horrible? That aversion will be, ah, oh, I hate seeing them run towards destruction. I hate seeing them in for pain and hurt that sin brings. The mark of a Jesus follower is love. Most of you grew up in a culture that had a way of labeling and dismissing people. Some of you grew up in a culture that promoted racism or sexism or prejudice against different religious groups. And if you're growing up now, you're growing up in a cancel culture where if people aren't doing what we approve of, then we dismiss them and write them off. We boycott them. And I suspect that there are very few of us in here who don't have either a group of people or an individual that we find difficult to love. Whenever we see that in our own life, it's a discipleship issue. Whenever we see that in our own life, it means that God has to work on us and transforming us by his spirit. It means that we need to become more Christ-like. It's something that God has to deal with in our heart. And it's okay to have these areas in your life where you need to grow and become more like Christ. All of us do. It's okay to see where your heart needs to be changed. What is not okay is when we justify our lack of love. What is not okay is when we call our prejudices good. What is not okay is when we hate and think it's fine. When we see a lack of love in our heart, we, we need to grieve over the state of our heart and ask God to change us. I found it helpful to understand this. If you're an adult, you probably will get this. You know, what people do is their stuff, right? They're not responsible for other people's actions. What goes on in my heart, that's my stuff. Um, when I see people who are behaving poorly, that's their stuff. 
when my heart grows cold towards them, that's my stuff. And you let people deal with their stuff. Let God deal with their stuff. If I can help them, wonderful. But that's their stuff. Oh, but I need God to deal with my stuff. I need God to deal with my heart. If my heart is lacking love, that's my stuff. I need God to deal with it. For when he does a work like this work in our hearts, it will set the tone for how you deal with people. When God transforms our heart, and being his disciple takes root, then we encounter people with messy lives. And our predisposition towards them is to love. When we encounter people who are struggling with sin, our status, our stance towards them is grace. When we encounter people who are different than us, our way is love. Why? Because we have encountered the love of the Father. Let me talk about a moment for about the hardest person for many of us to love. It's the person who stares back at us when we look in the mirror. Known a lot of people who could love others, just had a hard time loving themselves. If you're one of those people, here's what I want you to know. If you could see God, yourself from God's perspective, if you could see yourself as he sees you, then you would appropriately love yourself. For you would see a person of immense value. You would see someone who was loved so much that Jesus died for you. You would see someone who was deeply cared for by God. As the song says, the one who knows you best loves you most. It's really true. He knows all about you. He knows all about your failings. He's seen it all. But he knows your value and he loves you. Whenever you encounter the love of God, it, it gives you this basis to love yourself appropriately. I'm not talking about narcissists. I'm talking about people who know that they have value because of what God's done. Because when you encounter God's love, you see life from his perspective. So the question is, is, how do you get to the place where you encounter God's love for you? How do you have that awe, aha moment that I had in Bruce's mind? It moves. How do you have that moment where knowing the love of God moves from your head to your heart? Verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is known as the condescension of God. God who lives in unapproachable light, in purity and in power, uh, who is day and night worshipped by the angels and adored, uh, sent his one and only son into the world. 
God became human. That's a drop in status. Not only that, but he gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus died for us. How do you know God loves you? Look at Jesus. Contemplate Jesus. Look at the cross. Focus on the passion of Jesus that drove him to the cross. See his suffering. See his death. See his payment for our sins. See his love in restoring you into a right relationship with God. See it and know that he loves you. I want to take you to the end of this passage, verse 16. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. John, who wrote this inspired passage, says we know God's love and we rely on God's love. But what happens if you say, I'm a Christian and I don't know it? What happens if you're like me and you say, I get it in my mind, not in my heart? What do you do? John says we rely on God's love. Much of the Christian life gains power in light of the love of God. What you do and who you are are not, if, you, if you're not in a place where you, you know that God's love you, how do you get to that place? How do you get to know it? Well, the first thing I want you to know is that it is a discipleship issue. You've given your heart to Jesus, but you don't know that he's loved you. doesn't mean that you're not a child of God, but it does mean that you have some growing in faith to do. That means it's something that God wants to teach you about himself, and it's probably something that we need to implement and deal with in our life. There are probably some lies that you have believed that will need to be rooted out. And there's probably some truths that haven't sunk in. And there's often a process that takes place over time. But let me suggest some ways to start the process. Really knowing the love of God is something that is more imparted than it is grasped. It's more caught than studied. It's more a work of the spirit than it is a work of the intellect. It's more a revelation that's given to you than somehow knowledge to be acquired. Because of this, this, this knowledge of the love of God is to be pursued in a spiritual place. You can study all the textbooks, but it's when you're around the spirit of God when you're worshiping God, and when you're making space for God, and when you're putting yourself in a place where the Spirit of God is, you'll have more of a chance of encountering the love of God. Paul knows this. Paul was praying for the Ephesian people. Look, look at how he writes this prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. 
so that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That's, that's, a, that's the first prerequisite. I believe that Jesus died for me. Now look at what he prays. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, praying that that's what's going to happen, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I'm praying this for you. I'm hoping that you can grasp it. I'm praying it because it'll be a miracle. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, to get this knowledge that it far surpasses what you can know in your head, get it to your heart, that you might be filled to the full measure of the fullness of God. To really know this love of God, it's a matter of impartation rather and of revelation. It's a matter of prayer. I'm going to end this sermon soon in prayer. But people, make this a matter of prayer until God reveals himself to you. We have already read God is love. When you encounter God, you will encounter his love. Second thing that some of you might have to do is remove some of the roadblocks. Some of you believe lies. You've seen your earthly father, and it hasn't been good. And you just think your heavenly father is a heavenly version of your earthly father. That's a lie. God needs to show you who he is. He's not like this. He's perfect in all his ways. Some of you have felt abandoned, felt hopeless, felt like God couldn't love me. Those are lies. Someplace in your past, God, uh, the devil has implanted those lies in your mind. God wants to remove them and show you who he really is. I would urge you to move into God. And if you need help unrooting those things, I would encourage you to get help. Because the love of God is known in a spiritual place, I would urge you to make space for God. Because you, as you make space for God, God has a way of filling that space. There's something that you know that you know. He has a way of speaking. I love you. Whenever we make space for God and hear his word, this morning I'm going to invite you to hear his word through a video called The Father's Love Letter. Some of you have heard it before. But let the words settle over you and allow them to speak into your heart. Allow them to settle into your mind. This is what God has to say about you. experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And he is the father you have been looking for all your life. This is his love letter.
people where they're at and let them know that you love them. I'd invite you to pray this prayer with, with me. Heavenly Father, I receive your love. I invite you into my life. And Lord, I'm asking that you would reveal your love towards me. Help me to know not only in my head, but also in my heart, that you love me. I'm praying, Lord, for each person here, that we would encounter your love, and that we would be people who love. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.